Well, good morning again. I know that you're surprised to see me again so soon. Uh, it was a one-week break, uh, and I'm back again. And um, I'm, I'm grateful to do it. Uh, I know that each time that Kenny asked, I, I love the opportunity to speak and prepare. But I did tell him no originally, because uh, I said, that's going to be too much. It's too much in a row. But uh, he said, you should go for it. So uh, I'm here again. And I know that uh, I tried to pick, as the list of Proverbs are up, ones that I thought that were going to be easy. And uh, last week, I already failed at that, uh, since I I try to preach the sermon first to myself and say, God, what do you want for me this week? And he gave me the lesson in my sermon last week on words, uh, that the first service, I said something that wasn't on my outline, uh, that just came across terribly. And so... Uh, I learned that lesson, and I appreciated that from God. And so I don't know what this one's going to bring this week about work. Um, I'm excited to find out with you. Uh, But I know that as I prepared this week, I really struggled with it. As I was trying to work on this, to to think about it, to think about these verses and in different passages we're going to be looking at this morning, I struggled with it. It's a big topic there's so much to it. There's, there are books written about what does it mean to be a Christian in work, to uh, have your work as worship, to be living as a living sacrifice, and, and ultimately the work of the cross, the work that we have to do that God has set before us in, in bringing the gospel to all nations. There is so much in this term, and so I, I, I struggled as I looked at it. Because the fact is, is every one of us in some capacity works. I know that when we say work, we're often thinking of our job or our occupation. But hopefully as we talk through today, you're going to get the understanding and concept that work is, is more than just your, what you get paid to do or even volunteer to do, uh, but it is everything that we do, that we were called to create and we were, we were made to work and cultivate in this world as we live here. And so in some capacity we work. It's not just jobs, but it's everything we put our hands to. Sometimes it is what we get paid for. Sometimes it's volunteering. It's our schoolwork while we're in school. Uh, Some of us have worked a job in the past and are retired, but have different work ahead of us there. We work from home. We take care of our home and raise our children. And then there's the big W, work of bringing the gospel to every tribe, tongue, tongue, and nation. And so, as we see sometimes our, our daily job or daily work as just a means to an end, that this is just what we have to do to get money, this is just what we have to do and work through the painful week that we have just to get to where we can have fun. Or maybe we just make it through so that we can do something we really love. Or maybe it's we get to volunteer in this area and we just have to make it through this other time in our life. Hopefully, after this morning, we can get to a place where we see every moment that we have, everything that we put our hands on to work, is actually something that God cares about. And as I asked a few of our friends this week what they wanted to hear about work, what would, be, what would be their content in a sermon on work, I think what I came with from them was encouragement. 
But we'd want encouragement because as we leave this room, I think a lot of us have a lot of opportunities to discourage us. Maybe it is our job that discourages us. Maybe it's the lack of a job. Maybe it's a difficulty in what we're doing or what we're trying to build. Maybe it's, maybe it's something in our family that we are working at. An encouragement that what you do this week and every week matters. And to encourage you that the gospel is meant to not only sink into your life and change the way you work, but the gospel is to be a part of all of our life all of our work, that we are showing who Christ is through our actions in telling who Christ is through our words. But we have to start really at the beginning, in the very beginning in Genesis, to have an idea of what God was doing in our work. And so in Genesis chapter 1, I'll just read verses 27 through 28, starting there. And it says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. This is God's word. Will you just bow your heads with me one more time? Father, I just pray for this morning as we read this passage and others, would you guide my words and have your spirit work upon each one of our hearts that, that as I hope and pray every week, anything that I say that is simply from me, that that would fall away, but what you would have us learn and hear from your word and from this idea and topic that you would, you would move us and change us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want us to first understand here is that before everything went bad, God designed creation to work. Work was the part of the design in creation. Before the fall, before everything goes bad, work was part of the design in creation. And so on your outlines, I want you to to look at this and look at this passage and understand that Work was not the punishment. Then it says, God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. In being created, in this story, humanity was given a job to subdue and have dominion. Uh, This also means that it's, it's before the fall. It's before punishment has come in. And so when everything is made perfect again someday, when the new heavens and new earth are brought together and we are worshiping God, we will be worshiping him in spirit and in truth and in work. That there will be work for us to take care of and cultivate and to be a part of what God is doing. Because it says there in verse 27, created in his own image, made in the image of God, and there is so much packed into being an image bearer of God, but I think that one of them that we can think about in our context of work is that God was a God who worked. It was not something that he had to do, he didn't have to create. He was completely and fully satisfied within the Trinity, within himself, but he created out of love, and created with a desire to create and work. And so we see in those passages, in those six days of creation, he creates and makes things beautiful and good. 
And in giving us his image, he has given us this directive and job to subdue and have dominion. And we'll touch on this in the next point, but he's also given in creation the rhythm of rest and work. It was before the fall, before sin, and it's God himself who is not subject to those that he works for six days in rest, giving us this picture that you cannot do it all, we cannot do everything, we need rest. But the question is, what did the fall bring in then? In Genesis 3, we see that that is where the struggle with work begins, That when we say we're talking about work, many of you first think of that you don't like work. Or you think of a problem with your job, or you think of how tired you are of it. And the reason that we have that connotation with work is because sin has entered the picture. It made what was a good directive and gift from God into something that has become, but might not always be, a burden. Because it's not that work itself is bad, but it's that sin in that, sin in people, that people are angry, that our situations fall apart, that we fail each other, that we would steal, that our projects would, would, would fall apart. And so it's in this that we find the difficulty in work. It's not always that we can point at exactly what it is that makes work difficult. Sometimes it could be easy. I mean, I think of many of us that have chores at home and you're looking to, to do some work around the house. You might, not, you might be better than me at this, but I know that what I find is that exactly what I'm trying to do, I'll go grab the leaf blower and I'll go grab because everything has batteries. I put the battery in and it's dead. And I go, it's fine. I've got like eight more. And then after every single one, I go, they're all dead. So now I'm charging all these batteries somewhere. I can't get anything done. So then I switch to the next thing. The next thing I'm going to try to do is that I'll go try to mow the lawn instead. But that's also charged. So that's also dead somehow, okay? Then the battery actually exploded in it or something. And so now I've got to get a new battery. Now like, I'll just rake some stuff up. I grab the rake. As I grab it, the handle slits. I mean, this is a real day. I'm not just saying this. This is really what happens. And I go, my one project, I was just going to blow some leaves around has turned into eight different things. So in one simple work that I'm just trying to make something better, to clean something up, has now turned into all these other problems. And we could say that it's the work itself. Ugh, man, I just don't want to have to do this. But but it's not that. The problem is when we've combined that, and now everything, everything that is work, everything that takes energy, everything that takes time, becomes something that we think is bad. And then that in itself will cause us to fall into what our next passage is talking about in laziness and not desiring to work. Because the fact is, is God made us to work, but work has become difficult through sin. I love in Micah 6, 8 that I have uh, listed out for you is that it's giving a a biblical ethic and a biblical uh, filter to think of what does it mean as we daily live our lives, whatever our work is, whether that be homework, whether that be our job, whether that be our taking care of our family, is that we would to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. We've been given a purpose in this world, first and foremost, to bring the name of God glory through telling others about Jesus Christ, through, through letting people know the good news of the gospel. 
And then as we do that, as we are living in this world, we must work because we need to live. We need to provide. And so as we go throughout our day, we filter it through God's justice. We filter it through God's love. And we filter it through our humble obedience to who he is. And we ask ourselves, am I living this out? In the midst of my job that I might not like many parts of it, am I living in this way? Because whether or not your job feels like the most purposeful calling that you've ever had, or just feels like something that you have to do, we still have purpose, the same purpose in the midst of both of those situations. To bring God glory, to make his name known, to bring his name to the ends of the earth, and through our words and through our actions, to show who God is. Because I know that many of us have been in a situation where you're doing something which is, which is work and difficult, but for you it doesn't feel like work. That as you're doing it, you go, man, I, I don't even know if I want to be paid for this because I love it. I love doing this. And I'm not just talking about people that play like a game for their job, right? They're not like NBA players. Why are they getting paid? No one knows. But I'm talking about when you feel like maybe you, you're in the middle of doing something and you're like, I love this. I know that when I first started doing ministry in college, I would go home for the summers and I would work for a church as a junior high youth pastor. And as I worked there over the summer, I had the hardest time at the end of that time that they would want to pay me for my time. And I, I didn't want it because I felt like I'm, I'm just home for the summer. I would be doing something. I probably would be doing this anyway and I love doing it. I'm just, I'm playing games now, some of you guys, I tell you, you're working for the summer with a bunch of middle school kids. You're like, that's my nightmare. You couldn't pay me enough to do that. But what I'm telling you is that when I, when, I, when I got there and I just loved doing it, I thought, man, I, don't, I feel bad getting paid for this. I mean, that was my story with even just working for a church. Why I, I was like, man, I would just do it anyway. Whatever job I was doing, I would just love to teach the Bible. I would love to be with students. I would love to disciple. Like, I, I don't want to get paid for that. But then once I actually worked for a church, there was a lot of things that I didn't like to do. And I realized, well, maybe I would want to get paid for that. You can pay me to do those parts. But then that's still, it's this wrong thinking of what work is supposed to be. It's okay for our work to be difficult. The idea that you need to find your perfect calling or your, your perfect place to be in, there may be moments that you find that, but a lot of life is hard work because all of life is full of sin and brokenness and sinners and other people's sin. And so if we run away from the difficulty of work, we will be running away from what God has called us to be in the midst of, to take his strength of. And so what can go wrong in our work is that we either aren't walking in the rhythms that God has called us to walk into, or we are not living out in ways that honor God in our work. And again, I'm not just saying our occupations, but in what we put our hands to as we leave this room. And so in, in Proverbs 19 and 20, let me read two verses for you from there. 19.24, it says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. And the sluggard does not plow in the autumn, yet he will seek at harvest and have nothing. Two of these pictures are talking about the result of, of laziness in our work. Laziness in our work 
and expecting a different result. But what I want us to see in here is that when you think of God's rhythm of work in Genesis, as he works in rest, anytime we get the two of those out of balance, we fall into a different trap and a different sin. You see, if we, like laziness would tell us to do, that work is bad and work is hard and it's just too much to do, and we fall into that, we would fall into laziness and disrespect to those that are around us and, care, and, and that we need to care for. But then if we go too far and never rest, then we fail to keep the Sabbath. We fail to rest in who God is. And so either way, what we're called to work in is God's rhythm of life. We are called to work in God's rhythm of life. Because his rhythm takes both work and rest and the fact is, is you can only Sabbath well, meaning taking rest in God. You can only do that well if you put in hard work. Because the fact is, is being able to take even one day off, one day off from the work that is in front of you, means that those other days, you must abstain from laziness. You must be present in work. And before we think that, well, no, I'm different, I can work every day, and I can do a little bit here and a little bit there, and I can keep going and going, God himself, perfect in everything, rested. He took six days and created and worked and made good and beautiful things in creation, and then rested. And as he made us, he made it so we can't even make it through one day without shutting our brains off and sleeping. I mean, some of you maybe go, you say, I, don't, I can work on less sleep, that's fine, maybe. But in reality, if you try to go too long without sleep, your body will just shut off. Your brain will just shut off. You'll start to hallucinate, and your brain will just go, I've had enough, reset. God made us to know every day you get tired. Every day you are limited. And now today, in our day and age, we try to fight against that. We've got amazing things like coffee every day. You know, America's accepted drug of choice of caffeine. And it's not that those things are wrong. I mean, we have fallen bodies. We're tired. We have kids. We have jobs. We have things that pull at us. But to be able to do what God calls us to do in Sabbath rest, it takes our working the other days so that we can actually set aside that time. A time to be with him, to be with our family, to value what God is asking us to value. Now, there's been articles all over the place in, in many different years that talk about different times of work weeks. And again, over this last year, I saw some articles popping up talking about the four-day work week. Now, who here works a four-day work week? It's not retired, right? Okay, there we go. So a lot of people here, you're doing great. Um, almost no one. Now, some of you guys would say, I would love a four-day work week. You know, that would be great. I would love a three-day work week, maybe even a two-day work week, and still get paid for 50 hours of work. But what they found is surprising, because in our minds, we go, okay, that, there's something wrong with that, right? We are supposed to work more than that. Five days a week, maybe even six. Nights and weekends, depending on what we need to do. But what they found, and this isn't necessarily surprising, people were more excited to come into work because they knew that it wasn't that long. 
But they also found that people accomplished nearly just as much as they were accomplishing on five-day work week. What that might mean is a lot of times people are not necessarily working the whole time that they're working. Because some jobs are difficult to keep doing day in, day out, especially if we're only doing it for a paycheck. I loved this, uh, this, this kind of a fake news quote here. And maybe it'll connect with the way that you feel about some work. It says, to all employees, due to increased competition and a desire to stay in business, we find it necessary to institute a new policy. We're asking that somewhere between starting and quitting time, and without infringing too much on the time usually devoted to lunch breaks, coffee breaks, rest periods, storytelling, ticket selling, vacation planning, and the rehashing of yesterday's TV programs, each employee endeavor to find some time that could be set aside known as a work break. Now, for those of us that, that have different working situations, maybe we've been in a job that sounds very similar to how we made it through the day. And, and this isn't a point to, to try to guilt everyone over time theft and that you need to be uh, working all of the time. Some of us need to hear the opposite. But I would say that what the scriptures are telling us about laziness is that it only hurts us, really. Overwork only hurts us, but then underwork is hurting us. Because that verse saying that the sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth is saying that laziness is absurd, because what he's saying is, is that you're so lazy that they'll put their hands into the bowl, the bowl of popcorn, but you're too lazy to even bring it to your face. You're just going to leave it there. Now, some of us maybe have been so tired at the end of the week, we do that. Maybe a lot of us have had the grandfather that seems so tired that just is falling asleep mid-conversation with you. But what this is saying is it's this choice to say, I just don't care enough. And what does that mean when you won't bring your hand from the bowl? Is it saying, saying you are so lazy that you won't bring the very sustenance. Work was designed to give us life. But what laziness tells us is that life, life was meant for nothing. That we just need a break. It also is telling us that laziness is irrational. It says that the, that the worker would go and he would not plow in autumn and then he would seek the harvest and he would have nothing. It's thinking that if you don't put the time in, you could still get the right result. Now, some of us could accidentally get a good result without having put time in. But to rely on that, to say that as, I'll just put as little time as I can into this part of my job because it's no good and no one cares about it. What, what the Lord is saying is that your priorities are switched up. If you need rest, if you are working too much, what he is saying is you need to find it and you need to Sabbath. You need to truly rest, to set things aside and be able to take a day off. Now today in our culture, many of us have two days off or we expect at least a weekend off every week. But then somehow we still don't find time to Sabbath. Sometimes with those two days off, we still miss 
church because it just didn't work out with something else. We still are working during the week on jobs that we think that we don't like to make money to then fund our ability to do what we really want to do on the weekends. And what I would tell us and what I believe scripture is telling us is that God is saying that work is more than that. We live in a time now that it's new in comparison to most of human history that we have so many choices about what we do to make money to be able to live. Because it used to be for, for much of human history, the choices were you could go like, grow food or you could go find food. And then beyond that, you would then work to then build your house where you would sleep and then keep people safe. And then as time goes on, we have more choices in that you could be a blacksmith or you could be a farmer or you could be another trade. And then as you got older as a child, you had a big decision. When do I start doing what my dad does? When do I start doing what's in front of me? The question was never, is this my calling? Do I really love this? And that's not to take away the opportunity we have now, but it would be to just ask for one moment in the difficulty of where God has placed you right now in this moment without praying and saying, God, am I supposed to go somewhere else? Is this really the right place for me? To ask yourself, have you been working in such a way that God says, this is good and you are serving me as I've asked? Because the fact is, is if we are not taking time to live in the way God has called us to live, to rest and to work, the problem is not probably just our job. I love this story from Theo Moody. He says that a Christian man once urged his employer to, uh, employee to work on Sunday. And he said, does not your Bible say that if a donkey falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you may pull him out so you could work? And then the man replies, yes. But if the donkey had a habit of falling into the same pit every Sabbath, I would either fill up the pit or I would sell the donkey. <laughs> if you find yourself in the same unhealthy rhythm of life, a quote from John Mark Comer says this, your system of your life is designed perfectly to give you the result that you're getting. Your life, where you are at right now, if you feel like you are, are not being impactful at your work or you are, are cutting corners or you are so tired that you could never get anything done that you think you're supposed to get done, your system of your life, spiritually and physically, is designed perfectly to give you the result that you're having right now as you sit here in this room. So the question is not, can you do more or should you know more? The question is, are you going to fill that pit are you gonna sell the donkey to be able to be obedient to what God is calling us to do? In 2 Timothy, or, uh, second, <clears throat> excuse me, Thessalonians points to this as well, the, the importance that we see how, how limited our time is. In chapter three says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. He's saying that we don't reward not just laziness, but he's not rewarding someone who doesn't see the urgency of the work that we're doing. That they are idle, that they think that there's time to spare, but instead of realizing that we are limited in our time left, we don't know when our last moment will be. And so if, if Christ is coming back, 
and, and tomorrow is your last day doing what you have been doing, and Christ comes back, what are you going to tell him that you have done with your time? Have you been idle with it? The answer most likely is not going to be, oh, I quit my job. That's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to quit my job so I can go and I'm going to fly to France. Or saying, saying, all right, well, I'll just stand up and then I'll, I'll, I'll yell at everyone in my workplace about Jesus because I forgot to do that the last five years I've been working there. And that's going to be my last day. And I'll tell Jesus, are you proud of me? The question instead is that in each moment, are you thinking instead of, I have to just make it through this, to say, God, what would you have me here for? God, please give me the strength for today, for this moment. And as you surround yourself in Christian community, you can ask those questions of where does God want to plant you? Is this the right place? But maybe before you get to leaving, understand what does it look like to stay? Because our final idea is that work is an opportunity to reveal your character and to show others Christ. It's an opportunity to reveal what you're really about, to reveal how you really are, because a lot of us like to say that we are, we're good people and we're honorable and we, we don't lie and we don't cheat, but if someone was to follow you as you work, what would it say about your character? Those verses that I have listed from Proverbs, it says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. You are revealed. Many people can talk the talk, can proclaim their steadfast love. But who can actually find a faithful person? They can walk here in on Sunday morning and say, yes, I sing those songs. I praise the Lord. I have been forgiven. I've been made new. But then when I walk in the door of my job or I walk in the door of my house, I'm discouraged and I despise the people around me. I can't believe what I have to do each day. You are revealed in your faithfulness to who God is in the midst of, especially in the midst of, those difficult moments in life, those difficult spaces, those difficult times. And he says, even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure or upright. He's saying, you can know where your heart is if you really look at where you are moving, where your actions are. I mean, echoing James as it says that you can tell me about your faith, but I will show it to you. We're not justified and made right by doing these things, but it will show where our heart is at. And the conviction as we leave here to say, God, I need you to continue to work upon my heart to help me love my job that I don't think I love, to help me love this work I have before me on my home or in my family that is so difficult and hard. Help me to be joyful in the midst of it because I know that my character will be shown and ultimately in a workplace and in our families and in our friends, we can reveal Christ how we work. Paul says this, and I think it's printed wrong. I printed it wrong on the outline in there. Um, but Colossians 3, 23 says this. His bondservants obey in everything 
those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Our question underneath every moment and every day that we enter in a job we love or a job we dislike, work that is difficult or work that we love, we ask ourselves not just what does the man in front of me ask of me, what does my boss ask of me, but instead we say, what do you have for me, Christ? God, what do you have for me today? How can I reveal the character that you are moving and changing in me and ultimately reveal the person of Jesus Christ through how I work? How I don't give up hope. And when hope seems so small, I I pray and I lean upon not myself, but upon my Savior. Because it's so easy for us to think I'm working for my boss. I'm working for my clients. I'm working for uh, just the people in front of me, my family. That's the reason I'm cleaning up my house. I'm working for all of those. And that is the people that we are serving. But we are working for God. And as we say, our, our, our placement, who we are, our identity, is not based on our performance, but on our Savior that we've been placed and his righteousness has been given to us in Christ Jesus. And so now we know that our boss will not be disappointed with us. He looks at us with pleasure on our worst day and our best day, but we know that he's asked us to live in such a way to then love those around us. So if our context in our work and in our job is not that this person is my boss, I have to do what they say because they could fire me, but instead I'm serving my ultimate master and I am loving this. How can I love this person well? Well, you do love them well by, by not leaning into laziness. You do love those people well in around you and your coworkers by, by loving them well, by being encouraging, by not giving up hope. You do love them well by sharing the hope that is within you because they're not simply your boss or your coworkers, but they are image bearers of God that need the gospel of Jesus. Because life is difficult and weary and tiring and our jobs are difficult and often could seem boring and that there is nothing of impact that's happening. But the truth is is that every moment is a moment that God desires to live in and through us, through the work of the Spirit. George Whitefield, a preacher, said this about his work. Because often we think there's an end point that, that, that hopefully I'll just be able to retire and then I could not work and then I'll get to go to heaven and I'll not work again. And it's not to disappoint or discourage you, but work continues. Work is good. Sin is bad. Work is purpose and God has given it to us and can give us joy. And so what George Whitefield said is he prayed. A friend advised him, it was nearing the end of his life, he was old and feeble and sick, and a friend advised him to go to bed rather than keep a preaching appointment he said he had. But instead, Whitefield prayed. He said, Lord Jesus, I am weary in thy work. 
but not of it. If I have not yet finished my course, let me go and speak for thee once more in the fields. Seal thy truth and come home and die. A few hours later, he preached his last sermon and then he died the following morning. Now the question is again, what God has in front of you? The little W work of our occupations and jobs and the big W work of God's gospel being known. Are you about his work? Are you drawing your energy from who he is? Or are you trying to just make it through to the next point? Make it through to the next day? Make it through to the next paycheck? Because God has been very clear throughout scripture and even in these simple passages that he says, I want you to know that what I desire from you is, is to work, is to rest. What I want for you is to not be lazy, but not be a busybody. What I want from you is to rely on me and to see each day as an opportunity to follow your real master of Jesus Christ. And I love this illustration that I know I heard at some point from from a book or, or from a sermon, but it's this picture of we all have either been a child or have children and we've asked them to do something. The main one is always to clean your room. And what's the expectation when we ask our kid or we're asked to clean our room? What, what do we want to happen when we walk back in that room? The room to be what? Clean. We want it to be clean. And maybe there's a chore list and we've written down the chore list and we said, clean your room, make your bed, do this. Here's the list. And you see, if we responded to our parents how I think when we leave church service and we respond to God, we would be grounded. All of us would be grounded right now. Because the way that we talk to God is like this. God has told us, here's my, here's my list. Clean your room, make your bed. You know, put away your dirty clothes. And God comes in an hour later and he opens up the door <clears throat> and we're sitting there on our dirty bed and clothes are everywhere. And we're sitting there and they go, what, what have you done? And, and we go, oh, okay, hold it. Mom, I memorized what you said. You said, clean your room, make your bed, put away my clothes. And we say, your mom would say what? Your mom would say, perfect, thank you so much. I appreciate that. No. Your mom will say, I wanted you to clean your room. I wanted you to do, I wrote those things so that you would do those. And we go, okay, 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 I get it. Give me a second. And then your mom leaves and comes back again. The room is not clean at all. And you say, no, 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 no. Hey, no, I, while you left, I really thought about what you said. And I wanted to take some time and I realized I needed to meditate about it a little bit. I needed to check my heart. I need to really, really think about those things. And so I wrote those things down. I wrote it down a lot. And actually, you know what? I wrote it down and I looked it up in another language. I figured out what you said in Greek. It's pretty interesting, mom. And your mom would go, I, hopefully, you know, maybe your mom is really loving. You say, I, I, I love you. I appreciate you. But I want you to clean your room because it's good for you. Because doing this is good for you. I, I mean, we could go to the science of the fact of just like accomplishing tasks are good for you. 
that we created to do good things. But our, our Father in heaven has given us commands. And he's come back to us and he is patient and loving and he looks at us and we keep coming back to him week after week, morning after morning and he says, did you clean your room? And we go, I'm working on it. I, I'm praying about it. And it's good. We need to pray for a new heart. We need to have his word memorized into our hearts so that it, it lives out of us. But for too long, sometimes we give ourselves this break because we keep thinking that, that, that maybe if we just wait a little while longer, if it's a different season, it'll be easier to work better or to like our job or to be obedient to what God is saying for us to do. But it will never get easier. The choice is just, are we going to be obedient and are we going to pray that God give me the strength today? And am I calling my brothers and sisters, why we gather together, to hold me to this, to help me to, to be strong in how I am at my job and work, to help me to be patient with those people that I have difficulty being patient with, to help me and pray for me to share my faith with that person who is in need, to ask for prayer for my coworkers and to hear out their lives, to see what opportunities God wants me to be obedient with this week, whatever my work may be, whether it is schoolwork, whether it is an occupation, whatever it is. Because God is looking towards us and he's saying, please, be obedient to me. Don't do it for anyone else. I am your master. And I'm asking you to live every moment as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to me. Because the fact is, while we live in this life, most work is difficult. Even the perfect job we might feel called to will still be difficult because people will be involved. But it's not just a part of our lives. We work every day in some way. We clean our clothes. We drop our kids off. We do our homework. We go to the office. We live our life. We put food on the table. Every moment carries the hope that we could be working in a righteous way with righteous hope. That we could be seeing gospel moments with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family all around us because they see the gospel working in us and through us. The greatest point in all of this is we are not alone. We have each other, the body of Christ, to hold us up and to lift us up. And we have God's living spirit in us. If we have prayed for God to, uh, prayed to Christ to follow him, we have his spirit holding us and counseling us to live righteously, to pursue justice, to love others, and to work for our master in heaven as if he's coming back tomorrow. Will you please pray with me? Father, this morning, I do pray that we would be intentional in our life. That in those moments where it is easy to just try to make it through our day, to try to make it through that next meeting, to try to just get through what's in front of us, to instead see every moment as an opportunity to be obedient to you, to see your work through us and in us. And as we think of pursuing your justice in this world, standing up for what is right in our families and in our jobs, in our city, that we would love others as you have loved us and that we would work and rest in a way that honors you, our master in heaven. And we do pray that you would come back soon, that Christ would return and all would be made new and that all work would be removed from sinfulness and we would be able to work and rejoice and worship in spirit and truth. 
We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the only way we can pray. Amen. Well, I'd like to read a short uh, benediction uh, from our passages this morning. So please stand with me as I read. It says, whatever we do, whatever we do this week, tomorrow, this month, this year, may we work heartily at it. As for the Lord Jesus, not for man. Knowing that from the Lord, we will receive the inheritance as our reward. Because this week, this day, we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. May you go in peace. Greet someone again on your way out that you haven't already greeted and have a wonderful rest of your Sunday.